Welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where magic meets mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a witch and licensed psychotherapist. I'm Callie Little, a sex educator and emotional support witch, and we're the coven in your pocket. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pocket Coven Podcast, where this week we're going to talk about self-worship. I'm excited. (laughs) If either of you want to talk, that'd be great. (laughs) We have with us today Cordelia Rose Black, who I would love to introduce to you. We have found her via Instagram or, you know, her work found us really. And she is a Venus devoted femdom self-worship empress, which is a delicious intro. She's been practicing in the shadows of self-love and worship since she was a wee little thing as a form of self-preservation. She tends to her digital rose gardens, both on Instagram and Patreon, as well as her newborn. And she discloses kind of neglected podcast. She who loves roses. Welcome to the pod, Cordelia. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've been following Cordelia for probably like, I mean, definitely all of quarantine. I saw you post something about self-worship and that concept just like stuck in my head. I can't remember what exactly it was you said on that post, but it just, it just felt like it clicked something together for me and I really appreciated it. So um, then you added me recently, and then it felt like more possible, like, oh, maybe I can get to know this person. Maybe this person can be on the pod. So I'm just so happy to have you here. I'm super excited. And isn't it funny? We never know quite how we find each other on the internet, but it happens. It's just there. It's just like we all poof, just exist. Yeah. Some kind of magic. <laughs> what a concept. Who knew? <laughs> I'm really excited for, I mean, like the whole conversation, but to hear more about self-doming because we, I feel like our most recent episodes and definitely our book, Coven, um, because we're doing the artist's way right now, I feel like we've been talking a lot about reparenting and it's very much (laughs) self-doming, which is Mm -hmm. kind of kinky and strange to think about, but There are just so many juicy bits to get into. But before we really dive in, uh, can you tell us maybe some quick definitions of like what is self-worship? What is self-doming? So self-worship, it's hard to put a definition on it, right? But for me, it's like a recent post I did described it as this combination of like spiritual worship or religious worship, um, this mixture of that and self-love. And in that, then you are the one, you are the thing, you are the answer, you are the universe that you're worshiping. Um, So some examples, I guess, to help with the definition is like, being a witch and feeling like you need to Google everything that you're doing, like rituals or spell work and follow certain color-coded candle situations. That was fun to say, color-coded candle situations. (laughs) Um, But um, when really, if you're self-worshipping, 
you don't need to do all that. It doesn't matter what all of that says because really what you feel is, is what matters. And in self-worship, it's really just that point blank. It's just believing in yourself really. And, and more than that though, it's this really magical place where you can see all the beauty that you hold, but also all the kind of ugly stuff too. And, and with self-doming, it's, it's very much reparenting very much. And we'll, we'll talk more about that, but yeah, very much a reparenting moment. I'm so curious. How did you come to this kind of magic? I don't imagine that one day you just said, you know what, let's just try this out. (laughs) I'm guessing that like most of us, um, you went through a lot of pain and trauma and then came to that after that. That's just my guess. Um, but you know, you're the gatekeeper of your own self-disclosure. So I, you know, I would just love to know, like, what does that path look like? Like, how have you come to this work? Um, capital T trauma, capital T trauma. Yes, you're right. Um, I had a really difficult childhood. I have really difficult roots, I guess we'll say really hard to manage foundations. Um, in short, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty open about it. In short, I lost, um, my father and my sister a few years apart when I was a little, little kid. Um, I was undiagnosed anorexic. I, I was always fat. So I always hated myself. (laughs) That's like the thing that you do when you're a fat kid, especially a fat girl. Right. I put quotes around girl just so everyone knows. Um, and it was born out of self-worship was born out of, um, self-preservation really. And for so many years, I, I really hated myself and I was, I would be so mad because I'd be constantly trying to change who I was, what I was, what I looked like, what I thought, how I felt, you know, I had, my family dynamics were not the prettiest and my feelings never really mattered. Um, and I also, uh, struggled heavily and still do with mental health issues, um, because of it all capital T trauma. And, um, so really, honestly, a few things happened. I ended up kind of slowly snowballing into this place where I was just pissed. I was mad that I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to or encouraged to embrace who I was. And I also, my sister who had passed away when I was 11, she was uh, my Venus sister. She was a Taurus and I'm a Libra. And, um, she was fat as well and very much, uh, preached self-love and worship to me without using those words. And knowing that she was raised in the same household where, you know, abuse and 
capital T trauma happened, especially in regards to fatness. Um, I just wanted to continue on her legacy because she was very much, very, very outspoken, I guess I could say in this, the little town that I grew up in, it's like population two, you know, <laughs> little country town. And also, um, beginning to see people who looked like me and being a part of that process of sharing and working towards I don't like the word normalizing, but that's the word I've got right now, (laughs) fat bodies. Um, And yeah, so that's, it it was like a, it was a very slow snowball, we'll say. But really, I just got pissed off that I wasn't encouraged to like focus on my creativity or focus on my relationships that I didn't have because I didn't think I was good enough to have them and all of that. So like my anger boiled up. And, and I was like unapologetic at that point. I was just like, fuck you all for thinking that I don't deserve everything that I want. And, and now here we are, but (laughs) my self-worship magic has taken many different forms in, in my life. It first began as a blog. I, I was a blogger in, um, undergrad and, and it would be like just talking about fat acceptance. I'm putting that in quotes as well, because that's the verbiage we had at that point. And then once I started publicly offering like spiritual work, that's when I was like, whoa, I'm still preaching this. I'm still doing this, but I didn't connect it quite as connected as it is now, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. I mean, as you're talking, I'm reminded of those Tumblr days of finding other fat bodies. That's how me and Callie found each other and how much liberation I felt not having this constant background noise of, I hate my body, I hate my body. And it definitely took work. And then in some ways it didn't like, it was like, like you said, like a snowball, like something broke. It was like, I don't, I, I can't do this anymore. I cannot be obsessed with hating myself. I I want to I want to do something different. And in hindsight, of course, it feels it feels easy, but it wasn't at the time. And I know that logically, but um, it also just feels so important to me that you're doing this work and that this concept is getting shared. When I am working with people therapeutically and they don't have even a little bit of self-efficacy or self-love, anything I might have them do doesn't really stick because they're not motivated to do things like, I don't know, maybe they have a goal of um, exercising or getting up on time. If you fucking hate yourself, you don't want to do those things. And so I don't usually start with like, we're going to, we're going to make big changes. I'm like, we're going to make big internal changes, not big external changes, because that, that neglect of the internal landscape is uh, what is that, like, that's the problem. It's not that you're not doing things right. It's that, you know, why would you do things right for yourself when you don't love yourself? Well, I, I think it's a beautiful story of you coming from really difficult roots, which, you know, Amber and I certainly resonate with, <laughs> and 
transforming that grief into power. It's something I identify with a lot. It definitely has been a huge catalyst for witchcraft for me as well. And I think it's a beautiful way, like that story, just honoring your sister in the way that you do. What a gorgeous thing to do for, for grief. That's a really lovely practice. Thanks. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of being a witch, right. And, you know, probably not having that language when you're a little kid, even though you know what a witch is, but you're like, how am I doing these things? Like, how am I making these things happen? Or how do I know what this person's like thinking or, you know, and differentiating that between codependent just patterns. Um, but really surviving as, a, you know, for my personal story, surviving as a fat little lesbian baby who was, you know, starving herself and given diet pills every day and encouraged, you know, taken to consultations for weight loss surgery and, um, like studies and all of this, you know, stuff, trauma. It is magic that we're here right now. And it's magic that we're here to talk about the importance of us, regardless of what we're doing. You know, it's, it is pure magic that the three of us aren't on the couch obsessing over whether or not we're allowed to eat something or obsessively exercising or any other sort of, you know, self-hate, self-harm, honestly, kind of action. So, so that's something I wanted to mention because that it, it is pure magic, period. So I'm curious, how has focusing on self-worship, self-doming, how has that impacted your mental health? What does that look like for you? And then as you do this work with the collective, you know, like what kind of change do you see? What kind of change does this facilitate? In terms of my mental health, from all of the capital T trauma, that's just my word today. Um, because of all of that, I needed, I felt like as a little one, that I didn't have any control over my life. So I have very intense anxiety, very, very intense depression as well. But more than anything, what and PTSD, CPTSD, but more than anything, what I struggle with is obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's this combination of seeking control because of these really fast, unpredictable things that happened in my life death, really, and, you know, sexual abuse and fun stuff like that. But seeking some sort of control to be able to maneuver whether those things happen or not, it was that. And it was also combined what I'm actively, even now as me right now, working with, it's combination with my disordered eating. And the biggest thing for, for me mentally in my mental health journey is 
contamination OCD more than anything and the fear of becoming sick. So the pandemic's been fun. We'll just say that. Um, yeah. And so with self-worship and how that comes in, it gets really messy. It gets really difficult to navigate it because it's like that, that thing where you're like, I'm going to do this because I love myself so much, but holy shit, it hurts so bad. Or wow, this is so difficult. Um, and, and also it's a lot of forgiveness allowing, you know, I personally with my mental health do ERP exposure therapy. And if I'm having a hard day, I don't do it because it's not going to be beneficial, you know? So it can be really huge things as an example of self-worship, but it can be things that are really tiny too. Like, like me bringing a little smoothie to our little talk today, (laughs) you know? So it, it really is so expansive and that's, I mean, I could talk about it forever, honestly. It feels to me like <clears throat> I just keep getting images instead of words. It's interesting. It feels to me like smoothing edges. It feels to me like gardening. It feels to me like watering your plants, like painting, like texture, like sensuality, like like all of those things that are not logical or not um, necessary, you know, to to a brain that lives in a capitalist culture and where everything has to be very practical and very necessary all the time. Like our, our self needs so many different parts. It needs so much texture. It needs imagery. I mean, our brains even respond to imagery much better than, um, you know, just like information overload, just words and data, right? Um, so it just feels like, I don't know, the Empress card. It feels like you, like like how you describe yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's that's the Empress card. That's my birth card, soul card, whatever you want to call it. It's Empress card. It's Venus. Like it's, it's all those things, you know, we could get really into it with like patriarchy. It's all those things that like seem, like you said, unnecessary. The things in our society that seem like too much, just like we were all told that we're, our bodies were too much or our feelings were too much or are, you know, it's those, it's those big Venus vibes. And I think, I feel like I'm wondering how much from the pandemic and quarantine, how much people are actually realizing how much they need that aspect of themselves. I've, of course, I mean, had my own realizations. I mean, I found out that I'm autistic during the pandemic, you know, um, that's kind of a major revelation. And my clients routinely are just peeling back so many layers. I do think that there's a collective knowing that's happening and an awakening. And I am sensing already, you know, Amber and I, we're recording some Patreon content earlier and we were doing a reading and talking about the collective excitement and senioritis of being in this place with the pandemic where 
uh, we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel now, but it's also this really deep anxiety. Like all of us have learned how to live like this for over a year. And what is the world going to be like? There's a lot, there's stuff to deal with in the past. And there's also a lot of stuff coming up in the future. I mean, yeah, I, I can't work 60 hour weeks anymore. The thing is I couldn't before. I couldn't before. My system couldn't take it. My system was telling me all the time, this is not for you. You're not supposed to work seven days a week. That used to feel like a point of pride for a long time was how hard I worked myself. And I am reaping the benefits from that work. And also I am repairing the damage from that work. The Like all of quarantine, just kind of putting myself back together and slowing the fuck down. And it feels to me like self-worship and self-doming also require a slowdown, right? Um, to really attend to those parts that might need attention. We can't really be super busy. Almost like a loving parent, you know, like when a parent is really distracted and they're not attuning with their child and their child is suffering. But if the parent is in a place where they're regulated and they're feeling slow, they're more apt to attune with the child, right? So, I mean... What, what about this business of slowing down? I mean, do you think that's a necessary part of self-worship or self-dom? Absolutely. If, if, you're, if you're moving too quickly, you're not going to feel. And self-worship is a lot of feeling. And, and it's sensuality. It's experiencing everything that you do and everything that you are as holy, right? And, you know... With self-doming, I know we haven't really talked about it too much yet, but it's it's that necessary like cracking the whip kind of like I can hear like, you know, it's like, girl, sit down, girl, stop. Like I'm the same way. I, I'm like, I used to work all the time. I've had to, to survive. Right. And I'm in this really special place right now where I, you know, I'm able to offer myself the healing that I need and it feels pretty fucking good. Okay. And, but at the same time, I'm still, I still wake up some days. Right. And I'm like, okay, I need to, whether it's in an OCD panic or just a manic kind of moment that I'm having, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, um, you know, having my own sub who does those things for me is really helpful. And so that I don't get to this place where, you know, because I'm like doming myself to be like, don't, don't go there. Like you don't need to, you know, you're allowed to go there. If you need to get energy out, get it out in a productive way rather than, I don't know, whatever manic cleaning moment I'm having that week. Right. And then at the same time, I'm also trusting in myself and my needs enough to have a submissive who does things for me, for us, and for my sake so that I don't get to those places as well, right? But that's another conversation because that's outside of me. The aspects of self-doming, you know, what's really boring about it is that it's a lot of like lists, (laughs) 
like a lot of to-do lists and like, did you do this? Did you not do this? Okay, bitch. Like, why didn't you do this? Like, you know what I mean? I am (laughs) reminded in, in this part of the conversation of, uh, how I really got started with actual practice of witchcraft was I was craving some kind of spirituality again. You know, I always loved the feeling as a kid of community that existed within the church I was brought up in. I didn't really care about anything else in relation to it. I liked the music. I liked the potlucks. I liked my friends. And I didn't want to join a church. I just wanted to feel that sense of something and like guidance. And so I started praying again but I started praying to myself, to my higher self, to the self that I think really does know everything. And now I've incorporated her as this idea of like, she's me a few years from now. She's me, you know, 10% better than I can actually ever be because I'm stuck in this meat bag. And she's also been me She's been every age I've ever been, and it's all happening at once. And so, therefore, I am also this higher self, because if that's what I become, I become that every single moment of every day. So I am that higher self. And I I think of the meditation with it uh, and the sensuality that you were talking about as sitting at the altar of the self. You know, you are you are the temple, and not like your body's a temple, so like treat it. Blah, blah, blah. You can eat whatever you want. Your temple can be filled with French fries. That sounds great. Give her some offerings. Um, but but just recognize that you're a holy vessel for yourself. And that's all you have to be. Oh my God, I just had a breakthrough. Goddamn artist way is always giving breakthroughs. Also magical fat bitches all together. Um so <laughs> when, when you said, you know, coming to the altar of the self or sitting at the altar of the self, I realized that whenever my altar just has myself on it, I'm fine. I actually feel really well when I'm completely within myself. Myself is not scary. The problem is when other motherfuckers get in there. That's the problem. Oh. And in Jungian psychology, that's called introjects. There are different aspects of other people that have been um, kind of embedded in us, like the mother, the father, different lovers and partners, people that have heard us, popular culture, all these things. It's when that shit's on my altar and I think it's me. That's the fucking problem. I am not the problem. It is all the garbage that is the problem. Callie's having it too. Callie's bopping. I just am thinking of like, you know, obviously, I know Amber's life real real deeply. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. And yeah. Oh my God. Whenever I'm doing like, I listen, I'm all about the consensual spell. If I'm doing like a love spell, it's because I've been like, Hey, how do you feel about me putting this on my altar? You know, I check in, but literally that's when shit gets stressful is when I'm putting other people on my altar. My altar is for myself. Well, shit. Thank you, Cordelia. Look at look at this witch having an impact via Zencaster. That's amazing. Y'all, y'all. Yes, yeah. Well, i i have I have two things to say, and one, I'm gonna say 
is about the your higher self and being, like you were saying, all of you at one time. And if something comes to the forefront while you're in the middle of life, something comes to the forefront. How dare we ignore it? How dare we not work through it? That is our higher self saying, bitch, get in line and do this work, right? It's not saying that it's going to be done in a minute or even a month or a year. But if you offer the time to these, you know, things that come into your mind that, you know, my favorite time is when I'm not even actually at my altar, right? It's when I'm like with myself in the shower or whatever. That's when she comes and she says, there's this idea or work on this, or this is why you're feeling this way about this thing, you know? And really in self-doming, it is for me, at least, it's not like present me who is doing the doming, who is the dominant. It is me, right? That's like umbrella me. And, and there's a lot of power in that because little baby me doesn't need like mean mommy, right? Little baby me, me needs really kind, loving mommy because she knows mean mommy a little too much, right? And and that gets me to the other thing I wanted to say is what you were saying about feeling content with yourself and finding the problems coming through from external sources. And then they like, it's almost like you're marinating in them and they become you. And something that I've been working through with my mental health is recognizing when that bitch comes through, right? And she has a name. Well, her, she doesn't have a name, but she is referred to as a zombie soccer mom. That is what she looks like. She is a zombie soccer mom. And that is the mom that came through me as I was a little baby trying to reparent myself through my childhood because I took care of myself. I, I was alone a lot. And so that idea, right. That zombie soccer mom, I know it's like funny and it's silly and it's like just ridiculous to imagine also. Um, but she sits in the corner sometimes and she tells me like, don't eat that. It's going to make you sick or don't eat that. You've had too much of that or whatever the fuck she's saying that day. Right. And it's not me. It's someone else within me that came through to help me survive right? All those years. And now my higher self comes in and is like, "Uh uh-uh, mama, we're not going there. And, and then they like, I don't know. I like to imagine them hashing it out, like in some like wrestling ring or something, (laughs) But, but, but yeah, like 
it can get, it gets really messy. It gets really messy, especially when other people are within you. That sounded kind of fun, but when other people's energies are just like tangled up in yours. We, Amber and I just today, we're talking about depossession. Uh, it's a concept that my therapist brought into my life and you know, one day I was just feeling all this anxiety that was really nagging at me. And they were like, mm, let's try a compassionate depossession because my therapist is a witch too. <laughs> and it was really lovely to like give that feeling a body, like like your zombie soccer mom. Mine was um, a golden snail, just a bit different, but <laughs> uh, and remove it from myself. And then I was like, okay, but now there's a hole where it was. So what do I do? And I have decided, you know, that where that anxiety snail, who was always loving, like it came to me because it was anxious too. We had each other, right? Those parts are drawn to us as much as we're drawn to them. I decided to, you know, conceptually fill that void in myself with lavender and citrine. So I just imagine when I feel anxiety that I'm kind of feeling the wound around those things just close a little bit more. And it helps me so much to have this vision of this creature that I've also removed from myself. And, you know, my guides, my ancestors were like, okay, we're going to help you move along. (laughs) All the pieces work together. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Oh, I love this love fest. It's wonderful. It's very in theme for the topic. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'd love us to bridge over to how um, how people can get started with this. But first, I'm wondering if you have any last thoughts before we get to a how-to. One thing I think people sometimes get mistaken with about self-worship is that it is self-care and that it is self-love. It is undeniably those two things, kind of like a rectangle or a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square, that kind of thing. But the, the thing I really try to like the message that I really try to hammer into people's minds is that, and my own, right? Is that it's not just self-worship is not just eating the food you crave. And it's not just, you know, taking time to read a book that you like. And it's not, only even spending time doing spell work if you're a witch as well. It's all of those things and and the shadows that we, you know, that we've talked about a little bit. We've, right, the soccer mom and the little difficulties that we have, the trauma. Um, but it is like, One thing I always say is that in preaching self-worship, I don't want a bigot, for instance, to self-worship 
I don't want them to worship themselves. They are not, (laughs) they do not have the qualifications, right? Because they are not, if, if someone is just blindly not working on their biases and their, their shadows, then there's a problem, right? And so it's, it's just, it's so deep that I just feel like that's a really important kind of pin to put in because if people, we get into like that, like QAnon kind of like land where it's like people think that they can do no wrong and like, you know, our former president, right, is like, I'm sure that he worships himself, right? It's just like a totally different concept. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it's it's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought it up before we moved on. And, you know, when we're thinking of worship, think about any deity or God that you, that one might worship, none of them are without flaws. And it that doesn't even matter if you are of a monotheistic religion. Every God in every story has done some really wild things. Gods are chaotic. So self-worship isn't just about saying like, I'm a beautiful, fertile goddess. It's also about saying like, and I can literally breathe fire. So, you know, don't, don't get your crops destroyed. <laughs> it's acknowledging the chaos, right? So how does one self-worship? Cordelia, can you maybe like tell me about a day in the life of a self-worshipper? Ooh, a day in the life. Welcome to my life. Um, yes, I was, I was impersonating like a influencer right there. That was what I was saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to my life. Um, so I guess I'll give an example of my kind of day. Um, and it really... You know, it's hard to say, but a good example is just trying your best to go with the flow. If something is, if you have to do something that's really difficult, it's holding that where it is and also around it, having that important, important self-worship time around that Um, because it's, You know, I mean, the other day I was recording my own podcast episode and I was in bed eating grapes and I was in my whole moment, right? But like, that's not life and that's not realistic for a lot of people. So if say you have to do something that's really anxiety inducing, how do you prep for it? How do you soften yourself when you're feeling the worry or overthinking or obsessing or whatever. And then post also it's, I mean, it's really like we're talking self-doming really is like, what's your aftercare? What's your, um, you know, how do you, how do you plan? What, what are your contracts kind of with these things? So I just wanted to say that because not 
everyone experiences the same kind of days, but we all have those like stressor days. Um, but like one thing for me is that I'm a night owl and I, I stay awake. Well, I, I rarely sleep lately. I'm having some issues with my sleep, you know, as we all are, I'm sure. But if I am up until three, four in the morning, I'm not waking up at eight, right? (laughs) I know a lot of people push themselves that way. No, I'm sleeping until noon or one or whenever the hell I want to wake up. If I have that freedom, I'm going to do that that day. Um, So it can be something really tiny like that. Um, But also when I'm in the shower, I do shower rituals and I sadly don't have a bathtub. Rude. But I have a stand-up shower and I I really try and get into my body. So I call I, I have like my little separate moments of self-worship. There's self-worship as a whole, there's body worship, there's um, you know, I, I really break it up with the elements and the existences of us, right? So our mental spaces, our hearts, our spirit and, and our bodies. So in the shower, I'll just try to be, it's so funny and I'm rambling, but it's so funny because a lot of it is just being mindful. And that sounds so, I'm so tired of people telling me to be mindful. Right. But it's like, it's, I mean, I hate the word mindfulness. I do. And I don't use it with clients, but I am constantly teaching them mindfulness because it's actually really fucking important. Well, trauma is, it brings up so much depersonalization, dissociation. We learn to tune out of our bodies and what's happening around us and often just live in fight or flight mode or fawn constantly. I didn't realize that I was dissociated for literally years because whenever people talked about it, I was like, I don't know why people are acting like this is weird. This is exactly what life is. No, uh, it's not. (laughs) But tuning into like, my therapist recently was like, hey, so when you have a panic attack, I want you to pay attention to the temperature of your feet because they probably get cold. And that's what I want you to do as your first grounding thing. And it's been a huge game changer for me. And it's so simple, but it's mindfulness. Yes. And so part of what I'm wondering about is um, just kind of like this thread through the conversation of feeling and how a lot of folks struggle with implementing self-care, self-love, self-worship, any of those activities um, because the feelings they provoke right? So like you were saying, like these shadows come with it. It's really important. Receiving from ourselves, receiving from others is actually incredibly painful. Um, I've seen great stuff online about how the Empress card can be a really hard card for people because it's so much about these themes. And when we have mother wounds, we have attachment wounds, caring for ourselves reminds us, even if it's just somatically that we weren't cared for, there's this like vein of grief that comes with all of it. So to me, that's kind of a barrier, you know, that people struggle with it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like how do folks work with all those shadows that come with all this love? I have an annoying answer. 
And it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I have an annoying answer. It's, it's just being with it. It's, it's being with those feelings because they will, if they're there, they're going to stay there unless you acknowledge them, unless you're paying attention to them and giving yourself the time and care to, to be like, whoa, why am I totally checking out and dissociating when I touch my stomach or why do I get hot face and turn all sweaty when I need to have a hard conversation with someone. It's, it's just recognizing, literally just acknowledging it and, and almost talking to it is, um, something that I do through my journal or just in real life. But really, I think the the most annoying and pervasive and simplest answer to that is just being with it. Feelings want to be felt. Yeah, I agree with you. It is being with it. You know, the question that I would have for anyone who is like, yeah, fuck that. This is an annoying answer is how can you be with it? What can you do? Um, so almost like a combination of the two reflections that I got from you and Callie, like one was a lot of like being with acceptance, this like radical acceptance of like, yeah, I do feel this way combined with, um, attending to the, the body, like literally. So it's always neuroception before perception, which means that the body decides what is true before the brain makes sense of it. So I can see what Callie's therapist is doing there, like put on some socks, you know, cause like when you're stressed out, you're disengaged embodied. And if you're disembodied, your brain is going to react. So get back into your body. And that is guidance that I would like to give anyone listening to this that is like, I can't be with these feelings. It's too painful. It's too painful. Um, No, putting on socks will not take away your problems. That's not the fucking point. The point is doing small things like drinking a smoothie, putting on socks, taking a shower will help you feel more regulated and then you can deal with the problems. Then you can deal with the feelings as they come up. If you're physically uncomfortable, it's really hard to tolerate feelings. Right. One of the other themes that we've been talking about all weekend is that while you cannot control what happens to you, you are responsible for how you then react. And I I think it's very much aligned with that. You know, I was, my feet were really cold before we started recording and I'm in Amber's basement right now. She's upstairs because we can't record in the same room. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's so cold. And she went, yeah, you should get your blanket. That was literally right behind me. I hadn't even (laughs) thought about it. And I was like, oh my God, I should, I should put that on me. It's so easy to forget to tend to ourselves and than to feel like, well, it's cold. This is what life is now. I'm just cold now. Nothing can happen. I can't ever get better. I'll be cold forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And if that's not our little baby selves, like just hoping to be cared for it, then I don't know when they would come. You know, that's like them. Cause you think it's like the end of the world. You feel like it's, not think, but you feel like it's the end of the world. If something as, right, seemingly silly as being cold and not reaching for a blanket, 
right could could feel yeah we all know that when you get hungry even if you don't realize you're hungry yet you just turn into an asshole and then you're like oh I'm probably hungry yeah exactly and Callie it was you that said you know Amber I saw this thing on TikTok I can't remember who it was but this therapist was basically saying that when you've been neglected in childhood and all of your physical needs weren't met then you also neglect them in adulthood and I was like ah damn it fuck ow that hurts so fucking bad but that's (laughs) I know, ouch, oh. but it's fucking true. Wow, I'm saying so many fuckings today. I'm just feeling the Sunday vibe. I like the sunshine. Um, <laughs> makes me really boisterous. Um, but yeah, that, that is really true. Again, you know, we're always coming back to this, um, this muscle analogy or this like symbol of muscle and building muscle memory. Um, just neglecting myself feels so natural. It's like a really good, good, strong muscle. Like, oh, I know how to neglect all my needs all day. Watch me. I cannot eat all day. Did you know that? I can do eight therapy sessions and not take care of myself at all. You know, like that's actually quite easy for me to do. It just fucks me over. There's that fuck again. So um, (laughs) do you have any other just kind of things that you would want to give our listeners about approaching this work? Um, Yeah. The most important, I think, is just being patient and truly truly working on seeing yourself as the people that you look up to, seeing yourself as, you know, I mentioned like the influencer, like kind of mocking before, but like people have these, we all have people that we admire, right? We can admire someone and see someone's brilliance because it's also in us. And that is a major, major lesson in self-worship. And so believing that, and even if you don't believe it, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. That's a lot of my experience with it. And it's like patience, acceptance, you know, all those keywords, whatever. But really it's the, the thing that I really want to drive home to anyone listening is that you have all the answers. You know what to do. It is in your humanness to be able to survive. And if you've, if you've got, you know, mental health issues that you're constantly dealing with that are constantly reminding you of why you're so fucked up or whatever you're thinking you are, you have to be with that and just remind yourself that that you're also really capable of surviving in the more glamorous kind of extravagant expansion expansive ways where yes you've survived these difficult moments or capital T trauma but that makes you awesome that's great that you're here. It doesn't mean that you're wrong or that anything you've done is wrong or that you deserved anything that has happened to you. It's it's kind of that annoying, like, it is what it is. I hate that saying, but I'm a Capricorn rising. So we're there, right? It's like, you've got what you've got to work with. And working with it is the most important thing. Ignoring it doesn't work because it always comes back, you know, whatever it is for anyone listening. And so acknowledging that 
we are all this and that. We're not only this, we're also that. And this is like good or bad or whatever words you want to put in there. I think that's a really important thing to to remember when beginning a self-worship practice. I love that. And, you know, we did a whole episode on duality just a couple weeks ago. So if that is a concept anybody is struggling with, I would recommend checking out that episode. And as a fellow Capricorn rising, ooh, it is what it fucking is. Mm. I mean, Virgo rising over here, but I have Sagittarius in five houses, including my son. So, you know, it's pretty rough. Aries moon, (laughs) fuck me up. Shit. Just Sag sun, Aries moon, Virgo rising. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) That practical rising just bringing you down. Somebody's boring aunt just coming in and being like, I don't think you did that right. I'm like, oh my God, fuck off. Like, I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, Amber's best friend, me, is a Virgo son. <laughs> I am an annoying aunt. So you really are I'm perfect. <laughs> yes. You said it, not me. And what? My moon is in Libra? Yes. Uh, well, oh, there it is. I mean, we could uh, self we're just in like a little astrological circle jerk right now. But uh, speaking of over on our Patreon, we're going to be doing our bonus content with Cordelia today. And we're going to talk about masturbation as a (laughs) self-worship ritual. Speaking of circle jerks, (laughs) Callie. The journalist in me can always make a link. Come on now. It's amazing. Fucking Virgos. (laughs) So if you want to join us for more, we will be over there. But before we go, Cordelia, can you let folks know where they can find you, how they can connect with you? Yes. If you like listening to podcasts, you can find my podcast. It is She Who Loves Roses, um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, There's that. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rosewater Spritz. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and I also have a Patreon community. I call it the Rose Garden and you can join there and it is patreon.com slash rosewater spritz. Beautiful. I highly recommend following Cordelia on Instagram. She posts beautiful things and it, it got us so excited to have you on the show. So we're, thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited. And my Leo Venus is like, (laughs) she's hot and bothered now. Callie was like, oh my God, you want to interview Cordelia? Are you going to be best friends? Are you going to seduce her? And I was like, no, we're just going to be friends. (laughs) so beautiful. Also, Cordelia, please seduce me. You look like if Amber and I had a baby. You do. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow, I do.